clubhouse. Lord God, give us rain and a little luck and we'll do the rest. Amen. This is Steph. This is Sheila. And welcome to our Yellowstone podcast, episode six, All for Nothing. This one, I, I can't believe we're up to episode six already. So much has happened, yet there's still so much more to happen. Like, let's put it in terms of last season. Last season in episode six, Beth got beat up. Oh, we were already that uh, that far along in episode yeah, six? Like, yeah. So that's how much action had happened like this time last year. So I feel like in some ways they're behind mm-hmm. in the plot line of, of how this is going to all play out and how the Duttons are going to win. <laughs> Because you know, I don't win. think they're going to win by the end of this season. This episode think- is not giving me the warm fuzzies that the Duttons are going to survive intact. Yeah, and the ranch and whatnot. There's a lot of questions up in the air. They might extend this whole storyline past one season. It, I mean, this is like could be the end, or it could be like a whole new era, or it could be a lot of different scenarios. Yeah. So supposedly they're actually filming season four. I saw something online that they're they're doing season four filming. So uh, out in Utah, I guess they're clear to resume filming. That's awesome. I don't think this is going to be neatly tied up in uh, th- just three more episodes. Really. I want more. Already. I know. <laughs> I don't want to wait a whole nother year for this. I know. It's so hard. That's what's hard about. Th- I mean, I'm glad this is coming out weekly because I don't like when these Netflix or Hulu or whatever, and they just post them all at once because obviously I'm going to sit down and watch them all. Right. And then in like two days, I'm done. I'm like, oh, another year. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, you actually turned me on to the show Younger. Yeah. And I was able to binge all six seasons. I did it pretty quickly because they're such short episodes. Yeah. But then I was like, are. damn it, it's done. Yeah. Now what? And then, you know, well, they were supposed to drop season seven, but who knows with Corona? Well, season seven was supposed to be out like this June, as in last month. So, right. I mean, it's just undetermined when we're going to get that season. I've been waiting on Younger for like a year. Like over a year <laughs> so, now. Yeah. I mean, like, I, like, I'm only pining for a month. <laughs> yeah. You told it's me terrible. About it. I'm going to have to just do that, like start over and binge watch it again. Baseball is consuming my life. So I'm glad I was able to get away from a day. In terms of baseball, I feel like my son's baseball is the only baseball we're going to get if things don't change. Right? I know. You know what? It's a good thing that we have Yellowstone because this was a nice escape for me. This opening episode, um, it was sad. It was heartbreaking. Hard to watch for sure. I wasn't sure... I thought they were saying Zyla with a Z, but I guess it doesn't matter. Her name is Sila or Zyla. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, I, I was hearing Sila, and we, we don't get to watch this with closed captions, so it's, it's yeah. hard for us to dissect that. But I was under the impression that the child was younger, the daughter was younger. I couldn't tell at first, but then when they talked about finding her car, I, I was a little shocked that she was that old. Well, whenever that she was calling around asking her friends, did she spend the night? That's when I realized she's probably older. Not for anything, but like in this day and age of cell phones, would you necessarily have access to all of those phone numbers now? Like that was a thought that hit me. Like, I mean, like I know when I was a kid, you know, my mom knew all my friends' parents and, you know, they had the PTA list, class list number. Talk about Yeah, like, with the phone class. numbers. Yeah. Too. And, you know, nobody had cell phones. So, like, you literally were calling their house. You know, it was the mom network. Everybody knew everything. And But, yeah, I just don't know in this day and age, like, would we have the same level of access? But maybe it's just a closer-knit family on the res- – like, a closer-knit community. That is true. That is probably, you probably do know because they go to the same school, probably do have that. My son is seven. Some of his friends in school, I'm like, what's their last name? Like, I wouldn't yeah. even know. Right? I know. <laughs> like Dylan, Dylan who? There's three Dylans. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
But I was very devastated at watching um, the progression of fear mm -hmm. and hearing that that panic rising in Silas' mom's voice as the clock, the clock kept ticking yeah. away, right? It was, you know, 10 to 8 in the morning, and then it was 4.30, and then it was nightfall when she finally picks up the phone to call the cops. I know. The fear in, in her voice was, as a mom, it was just like, that was really hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's literally one of my worst nightmares that my child is missing. Like, yeah, and my son, is... especially when he was younger, he was very speech delayed. He wasn't able to say his name until he was almost four years old. If my son ever got lost, that was like my number one fear. I was like, I would just die. I would just die in the street right there because I that, that agree. would be it. I feel like I would too. You know, they did show her devastated and panicked and upset, but I would just be like, I don't know what I would do. Lose it, really. I guess since she was a little bit older, like you, I would be ho holding out hope that she went to see her friend or right. she just drove off and is going to come back. Because and... like as a teenager, like I've done that. I, I did that when I was a teenager, like went over to my friend's house, we're watching a movie, fell asleep. And I'm like, oh my right. God, it's one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And your parents are like freaking out. And but. like the mom network is in full effect. And, but it just, it progressed into something so much worse. What were your thoughts about the Sheriff Ben from the reservation and Rainwater's frustration with being unable to mount a search and rescue without calling in the troops? You know, you just got the sense that they've been here and done this before and just, they just knew. They're just sad. And like, it just added to that level of sadness and like devastation and fear. That was part of it. Like just them as the authorities already knowing where this was going and feeling like they weren't going to be able to do much about it was pretty sad too. And like the feeling of having to race against the clock. And meanwhile, Rainwater calls Casey to, to get some reinforcements. Although I did find a small bit of humor when um, Rainwater takes the call from Casey saying, Commissioner Dutton. And that can mean three different things in just as many weeks. Yeah. I felt like that was well, like yeah. a lighthearted dig at uh, yes, sort of the revolving sure. door. But the the frustration that knowing that you only have a small window of time and, you know, these agents are hours away and then trying to get these volunteers. I just felt so frustrated for them. And they, they just knew that this this wasn't going to have a good outcome because right. of the loss of time. Like, I was happy to see the number of volunteers who did show up. Like, it feels like Monica showed up and she had, you know, a number of her students yeah, that's so right. You got I, that from that? Okay. Yeah, I was assuming it was her students because it seemed like the same people. I was or the same age group. Yeah, the same age group. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised that there weren't some of the ranch hands from the Dutton Ranch there. Yeah. That, that was one of the things I was like, oh, that's kind of missing. So do you think that there was foul play involved or did she just wander off and fall into a ledge, unfortunately? Yeah, so when they find her, I, I froze the screen to... I know this sounds very macabre. I did freeze the screen to see like what state her clothes were in if she mm -hmm. was you know if there was foul play like i i didn't i didn't feel that there was a crime like i was surprised when rainwater said to ben you know pull up the the crime perimeter the crime scene is yours but i guess they do have to investigate but it didn't to me it just looked like she ran out of gas and she you know was wandering around i don't looking for a cell phone signal that's the only thing i could think of why she would be wandering around i assumed it was foul play i mean there's no reason she would be out in the middle of the desert like that i mean because if you're ran out of gas you would just stay on the road it's possible i might be reading the whole scene pretty wrong yeah <laughs> Monica is so frustrated after this. She wants to become part of the solution. So she's out there looking for clues. I just felt another sense of desperation here. Like this, like she wanted to find something to help because I think she feels just so powerless. Yeah. So Rainwater finds her doing the uh, the clue <laughs> investigation. This conversation was gut-wrenching for me. So what was your yeah. take on their conversation about the learning to be white, the reservations? D emotional, I think. Like just that 
conversation of like, this was supposed to be something that helps us, this reservation. And it was supposed to be temporary. It was supposed to be like a protection for us, but it's like not. It's just not what it was meant to be. Yeah, that whole conversation about we didn't learn to be white and now we're like useless to the government, basically. Like that's horrifying and sad. And to feel like that would just be to feel hopeless. It would feel like, what's the point, you know? And to feel ignored. It's just like yeah. that, you know, that was. It's hard to hear. Exactly. In season two, I feel like they did a lot better of a job at bringing some of the struggles that the Native American tribes go through. Right. We haven't seen much of that this season, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, last season, Monica was really bringing some truths to light when she started teaching. You know, she was yeah. teaching her students and, and I, I liked that. I feel like I was kind of missing it this season. So to bring that back in was important, I think, for the narrative of the show. It was hard to see a way forward for the for the you know the the Native American nation to move forward. You know the government. He says that you know when he Rainwater says that the government just wants us to die. That they're not interested in helping us. Like that is such a position of being so debased and just feeling like just hopeless. Yeah. He wants her to help lead a commission to stop them from being ignored. I don't know how this is going to square with the the land fight that's going on. Because Monica's obviously got a bit of a conflict of interest in this situation if she's helping the tribe not to feel ignored. I just feel like Rainwater is going to use this as a platform to, you know, to bring some of the issues back to light that they're struggling with. Whereas Monica has her Dutton responsibilities as well, which she's very reluctant. Obviously, we know that uh, she's very reluctant to sort of take a handle. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a lot of back and forth with Casey and Monica between, you know, the reservation and the Native American people that she belongs to and the Duttons and their land. And, you know, Casey's lived with her on the reservation at some point. And then she's lived with them. So I think they both feel that struggle back and forth between the two, like, sort of sides of this, like their Native American life and their Dutton life. And I say there because they're married, but. You know, Monica, of course, is going to feel responsible for her people. You know, the fact that she wants to stand up and be a voice and help, that's amazing. But I don't know if that's going to conflict with what Casey has to do for his side of the family, you know. And I think they both aren't quite sure where they want to land on this whole Dutton side of things. I think Casey's trying to live into this legacy. He's trying to step into what his family wants him to do. But I'm just not... 100% 100% convinced that's where they're going to land, you know? There's not been, like, a, for, a firm stance from either one of them. Like, you know, because Casey's like, hey, this is the, when they were camping, hey, if this is the life you you want, we can have it. Yeah. Not saying family's ranch is in my future and we need to step in line for that. So he's not stated that this is unequivocally what he wants to do. If she has a choice today, she chooses not the Duttons, not the Dutton mm-hmm. ranch, not the Dutton way of life. And this episode, I think, took Monica in that direction. Like, I think this solidified a little bit more for her where her loyalties lie and where her future is. I agree. She needed that. She she was lacking direction. She was kind of flailing a little bit because I haven't seen much of her at the university. And that seemed to ground her a little bit more last season, helping her find her voice. Yeah, I was wondering what happened with that, like if she was still teaching or what she was doing or it kind of seems like she's not spending her time there well i mean i guess if they're at the summer camp maybe summer's you know oh yeah summer's out but there was like that one scene earlier in this in the season where they were you know 
the, all the students were on their phone and she was like, oh, I thought um, having class outside would, you know, change your perspectives. That's right. Yeah. That was this season? I'm, I'm like, like 95% <laughs> certain it was, but now you have me doubting it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. It's just, yeah, I think it you're right. It was maybe five she's... hours ago. <laughs> yeah, five hours ago. <laughs> I think this is going to be good for Monica, but I think it might cause a little strife with the family. So speaking of strife with the family. Oh, gosh. Beth and Jamie. So now we knew there was going to be fallout from what we saw, the memory that we saw last time out with the sterilization. Beth lays into Jamie there one morning. She's laying it on. I'm not going to say she's laying it on pretty thick because she has every right to be angry, but I just don't understand how Jamie could just stand there and take it. From Beth. I don't understand how they haven't hashed this out before and how nobody knew about it because this is such a huge deal. Now you understand why she's so angry with him. And she's got every right. I'm not defending Jamie, but I feel like he was a child himself. You know, he didn't know what to do necessarily. He should have known that that was a wrong choice, but he was scared or he wanted to protect his sister or he didn't. Like, I don't know. Like, do you, you don't have the best decision making skills when you're whatever, 18 years old or however old he was. I don't even think he was that old. Right. I mean, he's a kid himself. I think he was like off to Harvard like the next week or something. Right. So what is he, 17, maybe just turned 18? Yeah, 18, 19, something. So he's, yeah, you should have known by now that that's the wrong choice. But how have they not hashed it out since then? How have they not, like, she's been building this anger for so long. I mean, they've had a fist fight before. They've had, like, she's dragged him around the house by his hair. (laughs) This has been going on. I feel like John would have by then said, what the hell is going on with you guys? Like, I get, I mean, I, I guess he just is used to her constantly berating him. I would just stand there, too, at this point. Like, there's no defending yourself. Like, there's nothing to say. I don't know. Let her just say what she needs to say, I guess, is sort of maybe where he's at with it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Why is he just standing there taking this and he's not defending himself? Because, But he says, he's like, I want to get to the root of this, as if mm-hmm. he doesn't know. Like you said, I, I just don't understand how it hasn't been dealt with or talked about or known yeah. in 20 years. I mean, what, was she 15? And we learned that she's 30. So in 20 intervening years, there's been no discussion about it. It's just this mounting tension between the two of them. I don't get it. And for someone who is as outspoken as Jamie is, I feel like he's he's just afraid of her. Because like you said, she has berated him physically and emotionally and just constantly said, I I hope you die. You know, that was said last season. Yeah. It's hard for him to defend a position like this, I think. Jamie is even on the fan forums and stuff, he's getting a really bad rap for this. Like and I don't want to defend him, but at the same time I just feel sorry for him. If that was a choice made as a child and like I don't know I just feel bad for the guy honestly I feel sort of bad saying that like I like you should hate him I guess but I just feel like she is so hateful towards him and she's calling him evil and I just don't feel like that's necessarily true because she is evil too you know like she's done way more evil things throughout these seasons than we've really seen him execute, you know? Right. He's being punished for something that he did a very long time ago. He's being yes. punished on a daily basis for one choice that he made. Always. Yeah. And he'll never not be punished for it. You know, so she's the one who knows it, hasn't shared it with anyone, it sounds like. But he doesn't actually say he's sorry either in this conversation. When he finally does pipe up, he That's says, true. he says, I should have said no. And 
she can't blame him for doing what she asked him to do. He doesn't actually say, I'm sorry. I should have said no. That's not the yeah, same as saying, true. I'm sorry. You're you right. know, there is, you know, that sense of prostrating yourself right in front, in front of somebody saying that I, I did make a wrong choice and, and I do feel remorse for it. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe that's, you know, you haven't apologized or just said, I didn't know. I didn't mean to. Like, I don't know if she needed to hear, I'm sorry. And I don't think it would have done anything to help their relationship is my other sort of thought about it. Yeah. So she ends up having a hysterectomy. It's a major medical procedure. Even if they do it laparoscopically with just the, you know, the couple of little holes, you're still in pain. You have to stay in the hospital for a couple of hours. I mean, you still go home the same day for the most part, but you are bedridden for days. Yeah. I mean, this is not something you walk away from. But I just don't understand how she could have just walked home (laughs) and been like, yeah, the test was negative. It's okay. Don't worry about it. The one thing that Beth did say that I feel that she just had under wraps for a really long time is when she does call Jamie evil. When she says, when you consider the pain that you cause a person is their fault, that's evil. That I do agree with. I feel that him blaming her or him saying that I did exactly what you wanted me to do is not the same thing because he did not give her all the information. That's the issue right there is that he... Yeah sterilized her without her consent like that's evil and i'm not sure that he even knew what was actually happening right he was a kid himself and i'm sorry like you're out there in the middle of nowhere does he have all that information at 17 years old right you know to know what sterilization means i don't know that's sort of where i'm at on that discussion is that he shouldn't have done that and that's it's wrong and all that but i just feel like he's was just a kid himself he didn't know any better like he was just trying to help his sister like she said so i feel like i would be berated if i tried to defend him on the fan page (laughs) like (laughs) so i'm not saying i defend him i'm just saying i do feel a little sorry for him in that situation that he made the wrong choice obviously but i'm not quite sure he knew exactly what he was doing but the fact that you, he just didn't tell her or didn't discuss her, that's just wrong. Yeah. so wrong. I mean, I get why she hates him, but I just don't know that he's inherently evil. Yeah, like, is he more naive or is he just unlucky in his a, choices? Both. I think he is naive. Yeah, I think he is naive. Very unlucky in that I think his family just sets him up for failure all the time. Yeah. And then gets mad at him when he fails. <laughs> no, but even like when they put him in the bunkhouse, like they sent him out there and to work as a hand. Yeah. There's no way that he was going to be able to do that work. I feel like that's a correct assessment that they are setting him up for failure just about everything that they do. Yeah. So through the course of Beth talking to John later on, he's upset that, again, for reasons unknown, that she doesn't trust Jamie. It's implied that she tells John about yeah. this. She doesn't actually tell him, but he asks, like, why don't you trust him? And the next thing we know that John is coming after Jamie. So do you think it's possible that John did not know after 20 whole years have passed that this happened to Beth? He's already been quoted as saying, there's nothing that happens on this ranch that I don't know about. Right. That's the impression the writers gave us that he had no idea. But I do find that hard to believe. Like we just discussed, I mean, if you're hating somebody for 20 years, at some point, somebody's going to say, what the heck is what going is on? What is your problem? Yeah. Like logistically and like in real life, I find that hard to believe. But I mean, it seems he did not know because he was angry. Yeah. He was like flipping out angry. Yeah. The only thing that I can think of that would be an, a contributing factor to him not knowing or not 
allowing himself to be aware, I'll, I'll kind of leave it as that kind of open thing, was that he was desperately grieving his wife. I think that's the only explanation that can be given that he was not more attuned to what was going on. And I think we've been given the impression that Jamie and Beth both sort of went their separate ways for a while, like weren't actually living on the ranch for the last right. 20 years. Right. And now they're thrown back together. So, so I think if they didn't live together, they weren't there in front of John. Like, yeah, maybe you could have gotten away with that. Right. And not he, being he noticed. went off to live in Massachusetts and, yeah. and Harvard for four years for college and then went on to law school. So that's seven to eight years that he's gone. And then yeah. she went away as well. So, yeah, so maybe it is possible. But I just find it very hard to believe that she had a major medical procedure done and nobody noticed her kind of hobbling right? around. <laughs> hobbling. <laughs> she didn't ride a horse after that. Like. Right, exactly. Well, at least not for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, like I've known two people close to me who've had hysterectomies and they've had it laparoscopically done. So, you know, the minimal incisions and things like that. And it's definitely something that it took them a long time. I mean, they weren't 15, yeah. they were in their 40s to recover from. Don't you also have to be on like hormone therapy after that? Yeah, like forever. Forever. <laughs> so, I mean, I just don't think that yeah, that's possible. I'm not sure. But for the writers to ask us to suspend a little bit of disbelief, I think. Yeah. All right. I got a question for you. Okay. When John is in the field and they all have their livestock agents vests on and they're doing their thing and he wants cooler heads to prevail when he sees Wade <laughs> with the buffaloes, what, what, do you have any, anything to sort of like think about like what is the beef between these two? They hate each other. You can speculate that it has to do with land or cattle or if their ranches are close together like that, then something has been argued about cattle or horses or land or something. Yeah, and then he loses his cool right away and you know, <laughs> he's like, I didn't mean me keeping the cooler head. It was just, it was a cute little funny moment and I, yeah. I feel like I need to highlight these funny moments because like there's so much drama and tension that, you know, I feel like we need these little brief interludes. But Lloyd you? definitely knows who Wade is. Did you yeah, catch that from the, the bunkhouse? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I feel like Wade might have worked at the ranch or something and like dicked John over or something. I don't have oh, anything concrete maybe. because when Lloyd's like, oh, Wade Morrow, like, oh, I know him. Yeah. And it's just like his eyes lit up. He had that like, he, he looked like a little kid, like who just found the candy jar. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, like, oh, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's something there, I think. But the fact that Lloyd knows, I feel like we're going to find out because Lloyd just can't. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that we saw him as much as we did this episode was basically answering the call that you and I put out a couple of weeks ago. Like, we need to see more Lloyd. I know. I love him. Side note real fast before we get back on Lloyd, but was that Hendon, Agent Hendon? Like, yes. in the field? Yes. So you're just going to skip over the fact, like, how he got out of jail for killing two people? Or, like, I know that that wasn't, like, a main plot point for the story, but... It was funny. But I was you like, have wait. dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, what happened? He's back. Okay. How'd that? So I was making and sure that was working. him. I wasn't like, oh, no, 100%. you were right. 100%. That was him. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I did write that down. Like, wait, where'd he come from? Yeah. Because when I saw that, I was like, he's back. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. I guess it's not important enough for us to know how he got back. Well, I guess with Jamie being the attorney general, he was able to make it you know, go away. Gloss that over and, and spring. Officer Hendon, Agent Hendon, from uh, his orange jumpsuit. <laughs> Although, at this point, he's caused a lot of trouble. I feel like he should be let go. Yeah, like the fact that he's not, like, suspended or yes. demoted. There's been no punishment for, for him. He basically got rewarded for doing a bad yeah. job. He's and been he, a troublemaker. Yes, always. That's Last sure. season, he, you know, was involved in that shooting of the kid. And 
Yes. Yes. So he's he's just bad news. So, yeah, we took a little tangent there. Yeah. So now that John knows the truth about Beth and the Beth, Beth and Jamie truth, what does this mean for him and the future of the ranch? It's a strong realization for him that if Casey and Monica aren't the future of the ranch with Tate and any other kids they may have, then this is like it for the Duttons. Like if Beth's not going to step up, take the family ranch, I don't know why he thinks Jamie's not in the running for that, but it doesn't seem like he thinks that, then that's it. Like this is all for nothing. Like, like he said, he storms out of the house after he berates Jamie, you know, accusing him, how could you do this to her? He just looks so broken. Beth was, you know, teasing him about, you know, has he been practicing yoga? And he's like practicing what? Like he's never heard the word before. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't know what that was. We've talked about him being so contemplative and he's been so quiet this season and mulling things over. And it's hard to know where he's, you know, where he's going to shake out on on all of these issues that are facing them. But I feel like this was almost like the straw that broke the camel's back for him because he just looks so devastated. Like whatever plans he'd made are just like, poof, they vanished in front of him now. Like if it's not Casey and Monica, then it's nobody. And it really can't all be on Tate. Like he's just one person. Right. And he's a little kid. I mean, right. At this point. And how much, you know, like how much could he possibly take on as one person? Exactly. And he's still getting over his own trauma. Who knows? He might never want to step on a ranch when he's, you know, old enough. Like this could be the end of, of their family legacy. Oh, that's a nice segue for Jamie meeting with the market oh, equities okay. people. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> legacy. I like that they talk about this money could be your legacy. I do like that because it's true. You could take all this money for your family, give up your ranch, and have a really nice life for you and your kids and your grandkids. And everybody else that comes after you. Yeah, $500 million. That's a lot of money. So we, we got we got the final number. I did love the fact that Jamie is in this restaurant. Like they're not even meeting in like a conference room. Like it just feels so informal. And I just feel like he was so in over his head. Like they walk in and he's like looking so smug sitting there. Nine of them walk in. There's yeah. nine like market equities people who've flown in from all over and then Jamie. But I feel like he is in over his head. Yeah, so I do feel that he's in over his head. He like, for instance... um. He didn't know that the stock was being shorted and that Beth had a role to play in that. I find this hard to believe, just logistically, because John has had discussions with the governor. He's had discussions with Rainwater. He's had discussions with Beth. And so he's got a plan. Casey's involved in the plan and the governor's involved in Rainwater and all these people. Like if they knew he was meeting with Market Equities Group, they would have all gotten together and like made another plan like condensed the plan like you don't go into a big meeting like this not having all the information so john is doing a disservice to his plan if he's not informing jamie of all this stuff beth in the same way like if if she's not telling him what's going on then again setting him up for failure but they don't want him to fail in this they want him to defend their property i mean do you think that john would want jamie to succeed in this in protecting their property so why wouldn't they have given him all the information i'm not entirely sure if it was intentional that they didn't tell him about the shorting of the stock like i don't no. know if any i don't know if anyone outside of beth knows that no, I don't think it was intentional that he doesn't have all the information. I just think if they knew he was meeting with them in any way, they would have had some yes. sort of oh, that, come together meeting. That I, I think Jamie didn't share with anybody in the Dutton's realm that he was having this meeting. I don't think for a second that John would let Jamie meet with the CEO of Market Equities, who I love the fact that she was 
a black woman. She was so cool. It, it did a lot for me. Like, again, that smug look that he had in the beginning, I feel like he was able to, like, he thought he could handle it, that he had these people. And he, he knew his role in how they were going to stop the market equities people. He looked like he had this together. Like, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But then the sort of like little panic moments in his eyes and stuff was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> like he had to keep his poker face. <laughs> I, I don't think he did such a good job in no. keeping that poker face. Um, Definitely not. The the shorting of the stock comment, that rattled him because he was like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait, what he didn't know about? that. <laughs> Willa called him out on his conflict of interest. Do you think that she's on the mark there? We've been questioning, you know, why the governor appointed Jamie, knowing that this was the role that he was going to be playing and the line that he was going to be walking. Is this it? Is this is this where the governor's stance is being made very clear? So I feel that there's a big disparity between where market equities thinks that the state buying the property is and where Jamie understands because Jamie has he throws out a lot of procedural jargon at her mm-hmm. saying that there's there's bonds and the, the state legislature has to vote on it, it has to go on the ballot. So it to me sounds like a several year plan or referendum that needs to happen, whereas the market equities people are like, well, this is the state's buying it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if this was a bluff on market equities part, because then it turned really quickly to, well, we'll buy the land from you. If you're a corporation and you don't have to pay $500 million because you think a state is going to pick up the tab, right? I, I feel that there was some sort of a, a gamble going on there, that she was maybe trying to see what Jamie knew or where the governor's loyalties lied or things like that, because I'm not entirely sure that Markwood Equities would offer up $500 million if the state was going to pick up the tab from them. The technicality of all these things is a little bit above my pay grade. <laughs> but <laughs> there was a lot going on in this this short scene. It was. It was a lot of information. And you definitely got the impression that Jamie was blindsided by this information or, or didn't understand quite the whole picture and that Market Equities had the aces in their hand. You know, like they had... They had the poker face on, for sure. So I feel like they have the upper hand. I feel like they are knowing a little bit more about what's going on. And Jamie maybe hadn't ever heard that number before because Beth has heard a number. Right. She's heard actually north of that five or six hundred million thrown out like as if it was like ten or twelve (laughs) dollars. Exactly. So I think I don't know why the Duttons don't just sit down and talk about this. Like, come on, people. I mean, they are truly dysfunction at its highest form. This is a huge deal for them. Like I said a minute ago, I feel like they would have had some big powwow with all their people they have in their corner. And why didn't they do that to be better prepared? Was it that Jamie just didn't tell them? I don't think he did. I think he went on this. I Which think he's dumb. I honestly think because... that he thought that, like, I, I got this because I've got the state legislature. We've got to vote on it. It has to be a bond. Like, there was just a lot of political stalemate things that were thrown out that it was just like, this is going to take forever. Yeah. So he thinks he has time. I think I think you're right. I think he thinks he's got time. I was shocked that they wanted the whole ranch. Remember when they showed the map a couple of episodes ago in the governor's yes. office? They wanted to split the ranch down the middle. Now they're talking about the whole ranch, like all of it, like just buy them out all together. I was a little shocked that it was the entire ranch. But she was saying the 50,000 acres and I'll give you 10,000 for the whole thing. So that would be $500 million for all of it. I don't know. I don't know if I was reading too much into it, but like when I heard all of it, I was like, oh, they want everything. She did say that. I did write down the 10,000 acres. So 
I hate to say it, but I feel like we're leading down the path of like, this just isn't going to be in the Dutton's future to keep the ranch. John now feels a little hopeless in that. Right. I, it feels like there's a confluence of events going on that are leading this down one yes. one way. Like Beth, she's already said she would take the money and run if it was up to her. Right. Now Jamie hears the number. I mean, in fairness to him, this is where I feel the conflict of interest was highlighted because Willa Hayes dangles the $500 million carrot in front of his eyes. He's a Dutton. So he's like, I would get $125 million if we divide yeah. that equally. <laughs> like you could see him doing the math in his head. Whereas, you know, he's trying to fight the line that this would be lower paying jobs and it wouldn't be necessarily that great for Montana. She's calling him out saying that like your judgment is clouded, basically. You know, she thinks it's in the bag and Rourke's like... Yeah, he's not the one you have to win over. So I, I don't know. I feel this is where like the Angela Blue Thunder, who we didn't see at all this episode, and Beth team up is, is going to, there's going to be a cat fight <laughs> between Angela, Willa. No, go ahead. Yeah, the teaser for next week looked really good. I can't wait. Yes. Because we do see Beth and Angela in the yes, same room and at that in point. Yes, in the same room. Yes. Yay. It's going to be fireworks. So, so yeah, I'm excited for next week because that's going to be another interesting piece of this puzzle that will give us a little bit more information. I don't think we're going to see a scene where all of these people sit down in one room, like Rainwater and Angela and Beth and John and Casey. I don't think we're going to no. see that, but that's kind of what should happen in my in my eyes. Like you people need to get your ducks in a row if y'all are really going to fight this market equities. Like y'all need to know what the plan is. I agree. I feel like the, nobody's taking this as seriously as it needs to. I mean, they're they're operating very much in silos. Yeah. You know, Beth is doing her thing, shorting the stock, working with Schwartz and Meyer to do their damage and buying up the property still. And Jamie's doing his thing with the state, but he doesn't seem to have all the information either from the governor. You know, John and Rainwater are meeting, but nobody else is involved. So right. I feel like the siloed approach is, it's like that corny adage, like, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but well, but it applies here. It does. I agree. I mean, I don't know any business meeting that I went into that was a big, like trying to close the deal or trying to sign the contract that like my boss wasn't in there and my manager and me and my team and my so-and-so, my developer, my designer, my creator, you know, like it was everybody we had. you all strategize, right? You all strategize, like, here's what we're going to do, you know? Here's what we're going to say. We're not going to say this. And here, you know, like we had a plan. Maybe Jamie effed it up again. Are we on to teeter talk? Yay. <laughs> so there was, I, there was just a lot going on in this, this little bunkhouse session here. I love the bunkhouse. It I seems do. like a fun place. And I love Colby. Yes. I like his arms. <laughs> <laughs> they are some massively defined arms. I got I to gotta give uh, Denon Richardson some credit there. I like them. I don't mind watching them. <laughs> so Laramie and Lloyd, like what? What's happening? When they were at the barrel race when Laramie and Mia were practicing. Yes. And Lloyd is there and he's like, I'm the damn buckle bunny now. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's he's careful to say that she's old enough to, you know, to vote and buy, buy bullets. Is that what he says? Buy yeah. bullets. But I thought he said that they hadn't like hooked up. Like, yeah. It's like two that? dances like... and I'm now the damn buckle bunny. But yeah, no, right. he, does, he, like... he does allude to the fact that it hasn't gone further than that, I, I guess. <laughs> Oh my gosh. If that makes it any better. No, I definitely need the bunkhouse little sessions, little jaunts here and there that they go mm -hmm. through because it just, it, it balances out 
the tension, the drama so much for me. Yeah. But as as heady as the the themes were, this episode, you know, with the reservation, they, the, the government doesn't want us. That was yeah. some pretty deep stuff. And then we literally have Guy on a Buffalo. Right. <laughs> Can I play this? For, I, I I went out and I YouTube this. So they're watching this guy on a buffalo. It's literally like, I won't play the whole thing, but the, the song is so catchy. I'm so sorry. I apologize. But yeah. Can you hear it? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Was that like 1960? I mean, like. No, this is a contemporary. No. Yes, they are a contemporary band. They are a real thing. Guy in a Buffalo is a real thing. It's a viral video series. <laughs> so I shazammed it while watching the episode and I found out they're, they're on Spotify. What? It, this wildly catchy song is by Nicole Jomo and the Possum Posse. And but no, what they were watching on TV looked like it was from like 1960. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's like a little. There's three of these little viral videos, uh, and they have like 4.3 million views. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, I needed this deep dive into Jomo and the Possum Posse. So they That's describe hilarious. themselves on their website as having a unique blend of cynicism, dead-eyed souls, and anti-machismo honky tonk. <laughs> what? That's and awesome. they released an album earlier this year. They got some award earlier this year, you know, pre no. you know, the world close. I swear to God, their oh their website is a revelation. That's amazing. Yeah. I love facts like that. It just it's so funny. Yeah, I was like, this has to be real. <laughs> At first I was like, this can't be real. Then I'm like, no, this has to be real. I and love their commentary. Like Colby is like, what are we watching? And the teeter was like, he looks like a sexy Jesus. Riding off into the sunset. <laughs> Like, did she just say sexy Jesus? I'm like, oh my God. And oh I was God. absolutely craving Funyuns after Colby's, like, in his book, uh, talking about the wobble of the earth when discussing Laramie and Lloyd's relationship. Yes. He's like, I'm telling you, something's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, so Teeter's, like, talking about him being a sexy Jesus. I am understanding her a whole lot more. Yeah, same. Is her accent changing, or are we just used to her? I feel like they toned her down after the first episode, just a smidge. I was laughing because I did have to listen a second time when she was talking about the buffalo behind the corral. Laramie says, where are your corrals? And I was like, oh, she said corral. Oh, okay. So yeah. I, I am understanding her a bit more, but there's definitely moments where I'm just like, wait, what'd she say? <laughs> they decide after watching Guy on a Buffalo. <laughs> that they're reaching new heights of dumb and they decide to go like, buffalo riding i feel like buffalo seem less aggressive than the bulls like they seemed more tame of an animal so like if i was an experienced barrel racer and cowgirl i guess i feel like it would be kind of fun like i was like i'd kind of maybe do that if i was confident in my like i don't even want to get on near a horse without someone professional next to me but if it was my life that would be kind of fun don't you think like I'm down for some mischief. I don't know because, like, when I went to Yellowstone, I wouldn't do it on a bull. But the I buffalo seems. This is this is where like me being like from New York City really you know highlights itself. Uh, <laughs> when we went out to Yellowstone, my husband and I, the uh, like when we rented the car, the first thing they said because we flew into Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And they said, are you going anywhere near any of the national parks? And we said, yeah. They said, then you absolutely 100% need to take out the 
you know, the, the accident insurance, whatever the highest level of insurance is, because the number one damage to cars in Wyoming and Montana are from Buffalo. Oh, okay. Well then, because like they could like literally be like walking upside your car in the park and just like walk right into your car. So they're not the smartest animals. They're not the smartest animals, but they're also like two tons of just bulk. Yeah. Even the little ones scared me. Because <laughs> like they got these horns and if you could see oh, what I'm doing they right now, they got horns. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, they're just like two tons of, of, of just dumb. <laughs> And, you know, rolling, getting rolled by a buffalo just sounds like leg crunching to me. Oh, yeah. My paranoia is high because I don't trust the Wade Morrow guy who produces the paperwork on the brucellosis Mm -hmm. that we talked about the last time. So it's (laughs) I did some more digging around. So it's bacterial and it can be contracted by humans from contact with potentially infected animals or unpasteurized dairy products. And while it can be treated with antibiotics, it's kind of like chicken pox or shingles. It doesn't always fully go away. Like it can like resurge itself in you and, and just causes, oh just you, systems get, you know, havoc wrought upon. Them. So um, I don't know, my paranoia is a little high when it comes to this because I'm like, I don't know, he didn't have the paperwork the last time and all of a sudden he has paperwork for Casey this time. So. I'm not entirely, not entirely convinced. You don't that trust the I buffalo. Don't, I don't trust the buffalo. No, I don't. I actually don't. I don't trust Wade more than anything because if Lloyd was all kind of haunchy about yeah. Wade Morrow, like knowing the the backstory, and well, John got so rattled by him, I'm like, there's something there. They seemed more sensitive because they were like, well, don't rope him around the neck because you'll like kill him or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. So well, if you can't they could do kill it with a rope, then like I'll ride it. That's, that should be fun. <laughs> Okay, I will say this right now. I will never ride a buffalo. <laughs> Neither will I. Just gonna, I won't. But I won't. So the one other thing I wanted to ask you about was, so Jimmy and Lloyd are watching the barrel racing practice. What did you think about the conversation between the two of them about Jimmy's future of rodeoing? Brought us back to the little sad points of this episode. Like he seemed sad that he could no longer rodeo. And Lloyd understood that. And he like sympathizing with them like yeah I mean I didn't stop till I had to and I feel like that's a lot of cowboys are like that and I actually watched a documentary about uh rodeoing okay and it was so interesting it was on Netflix I think and it was like that like they don't want to stop they love it and it's like they're just like what gets their blood pumping and they can't live without it until you just have to like you can't walk anymore so Phil it seems a shame to to give up something that truly is meaningful to you or that you makes you feel like you have a purpose and like Lloyd said that's the only thing that Jimmy's actually good at is staying on a Bronco so (laughs) on a a bucking horse yeah (laughs) I didn't feel like he had a choice and Lloyd said yeah John told him the same thing but then he did it anyway well and then the comment that Jimmy made about he was rodeoing to get away from cowboying I didn't think Jimmy had a choice in that either like he he wears the brand doesn't he like not get to leave yeah i mean i guess walker left so he could he could but you know it's just it was go to the train station go to the train station yeah no no one's gone to the train station in a while now i know that's good though maybe willa hayes ends up at the train Ah, station oh no (laughs) that's not gonna stop because it's a corporate machine but there was like such a faraway look in lloyd's eyes like he remembered how much he loved it and but then he also said like it's also the reason why i can barely get out of bed most days but jimmy's sitting there literally with the collar still on and he's still broken and still recovering yeah he doesn't want to ride a buffalo because he's like (laughs) yeah he's like i'm broken he goes like i'm pointing to all the things that are broken The angle with Mia is going to force him to make some choices that he may not have otherwise made. 
because yeah. she is into him. You know, she's still hanging around and it seems like her intentions are true. I'm such a skeptic when it comes to anybody <laughs> in the show. I don't trust anybody. But right. he's going to want to provide for her and she can't live in a bunkhouse. And, you know, there's not a lot of married cowboys in this show. No. <laughs> right? At least the, you know, for the actual like ranch hands and things like that. So I'm curious as to what Jimmy's going to do. I mean, he's he's making a remarkable recovery in the show. Right. Uh, For someone who's, you know, like the the list had to be written down of what was broken on him, including a brand new hip. I mean, you know, I just feel like where's his cane? Like he'd have a cane a little bit longer. Right. But I did notice that they were wearing jackets. And so I thought, man, we've skipped a bit of time already yeah it's, because it's they possible. were in summer and then right. now i'm always thinking about how hot it is outside in texas like it's hot till like january and then <laughs> you get two weeks of it's break. hot again in like march <laughs> I so i mean you get like two weeks of a break when rainwater was searching for the girl in his suit and tie and jacket i thought god that would be like so hot i literally did think that and then i noticed that all the other people were were wearing jackets and i thought oh okay well it's just colder outside I was in Wyoming. Yeah, I was in Wyoming in the end of actually Facebook is reminding me that I was there like this time seven years ago. The first morning that we were there, it was 39 degrees that morning. And it was the end of July. I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah I don't I don't know what that's like. But it also so. got up to like 95 degrees in the same day. So I mean, they <laughs> literally have three seasons of temperature swings in the same <laughs> day. day, winter in the morning and spring by 10 o'clock and summer by noon. That's how Texas winters are. Like it starts out cold and then by the end of the day, you're put your shorts back on. But anyways, I had that random thought in my head. I'm like, why is he wearing a jacket? Like, oh, it's colder. So anyways, we were back to Jimmy. How much time has passed? Yeah. So maybe has been a few months, but still. Some time has passed because not all this stuff is going to happen in a linear sense of, you know, a week or whatever. It was not tomorrow. No, no. Yeah. Not holding out a lot of hope that Jimmy's not going to make a silly choice. Yeah, Um, true. (laughs) I mean, it's hard to turn something down if you're good at it. I mean, like if you're a musician and this has happened to some of my friends who are musicians and they're told that they can't do their craft anymore because of like a physical ailment, like a carpal tunnel or something like that. And you're a piano player. That's that's a hard, you know, nut to to crack. It's this is what I do. This is what I like to do. I'm good at this. And now I can't do it. I feel like I would continue to do what I love. And I think a lot of people do. Gymnasts Mm -hmm. getting hurt, like, and still competing Competing, or, yeah. So, you know, any athlete, like I get hurt all the time at the gym or whatever. And I just continue to keep going. (laughs) And they're like, my friends are like, why are you? I'm like, because I'm not going to not go. Like, I'm just not going to not do what I like to do. Even though my shoulder hurts, it doesn't hurt bad enough for me to not do it. And so until it gets to that point, then I'm just going to keep showing up. You can't do it. Like, like, like my body's telling me, no more. So I I think he's going to continue. I think you're right. I think he's going to continue, but I just hope that it doesn't end worse for him that's true because he is he's a broken little chicken (laughs) so next week there's lots going on i know so episode seven i hope that this next episode is a lot of this market equities and where we're gonna go with this and you know what we didn't see today uh in this episode was rip and beth no (gasps) no rip and beth didn't see that rip was only in it for a hot second in the beginning when the with Sad. Wade, right before they went to go talk to Wade, John sends him off. That was it. There was no rip. I feel gypped. Yes. Mm. I feel gypped as well. 
Who did I just turn on to Yellowstone? Was it Caroline? And she was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was like, she was like texting me about Rip. And I was like, yeah, I know. I, I know. know. She started sending us all the, the links to all the shopping. Yeah. She's like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Like, uh, yeah, we've seen it. And then Trust she, she wondered why the stuff pops up in her Facebook feed. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, uh, we've been looking for like three years. Yeah. Like, where did you Just so you know. <laughs> Caroline, you should join the Facebook groups. You would tear it up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, next I'm week excited. is going to be a hoot. I think there's going to be some fireworks. We're going to get Beth and we're going to get Angela together. Finally. This has been long yep. talked about. And I don't think we're done with Jamie. And maybe Colby could be in the bunkhouse without a shirt on again. Yeah, that, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opposed <laughs> to that. Eating some funyuns, I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating some funyuns. <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't. He's quippy. He's got a. He's got the cute little comebacks. I like him a lot. Yeah, I like the, the the comment um, when they were going out to ride the buffalo. It's like I've done some dumb shit in my life, and Ryan's like, not going to be any dumber than this. <laughs> right like i'm like you and know then they're always like cursing the barrel racer like damn barrel racers yeah into all kinds of shit yeah I'm like ah, oh, it's cute the things you do for a woman that's right i mean there's, there's me, just a but... lot of femaleness in the bunkhouse this season and I, I think they're i think they're growing as uh as human beings for it <laughs> yeah exactly all well right. i'm excited and i will talk to you about this very soon very very soon meet yes. you back here same bat time same bat channel <laughs> yes for sure all right. Well, this is Sheila. This is Steph. Thanks for joining us for Yellowstone episode 306, All for Nothing. And if you could remember to go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe, leave us a comment as well. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.